What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Instant Replay Podcast. And as always, I am your host, Dominic Shirosky. And today's episode is one of my favorite episodes that we're going to do because I am talking nothing about anything else unless nothing about anything else. I, I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's how you know I'm recording early in the morning. Um, my words are twisted around. But I am talking about nothing else but the NFL draft. The NFL draft was this weekend, started Thursday, ended on Saturday. Uh, I didn't record Friday. Uh, ended up having to do a show, uh, if you actually watched with Nuts and Bolts Sports, alongside uh, myself um, at, and Ashmere. We hosted round one, which is Thursday night, and then myself and Jeff Barnes and Bill Carroll we're basically on for the entire second, third round on day two. Um, and then shout out to Jeff and Bill for covering all of day three. Ended up being like a seven hour event. I came on about halfway through uh, and we finished out the last about three and a half, four hours uh, together. But I am here because I didn't really get to do a recap at all. Um, we're here to do a recap of the NFL draft and if you all know me, like I said, if you've paid attention to this uh, to this podcast, you know the draft is easily my favorite uh, sporting event every year. The NFL draft is my, is my favorite sporting event. And so what we're going to do today is we're actually going to go through all of round one, right? And I'm going to give my thoughts on every pick in round one. And then from there, we're just going to go through... Shout out some of the picks that I liked, some of the good value picks that came in the later rounds. But this draft, this draft had its twists and turns. This draft had some very exciting moments. And obviously, we're going to get into um, everything that happened as far as draft night because there were some big stories. And I guess we can start there. So there was some really big, big news coming into the draft that uh, I believe Adam Schefter had reported, basically stating that Aaron Rodgers wants out of Green Bay, that Green Bay, uh, the relationship is soured, almost a la Carson Wentz, where it was the relationship is fractured beyond repair, right? And as of right now, we have not heard anything back from that. There was a very brief moment during the draft on Thursday night where uh, Mark Schlereth basically came out and said that uh, Aaron Rodgers to Denver is a done deal, right? So that had everyone stirring because it was like, all right, are the Denver Broncos trading away this pick? Are they going to go and get Green Bay, uh, get Aaron Rodgers out of Green Bay? Is Green Bay going to be now selecting with the ninth overall pick in the draft and things like that, right? So some crazy things were going on. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers had not, was not drafted, I'm sorry, uh, was, was not drafted, was not traded, um, but we are still waiting to see what happens there. That's a very fascinating situation. I'm probably going to talk more about that on Friday just because there's a lot to unpack in this whole Aaron Rodgers. Really, it's not even Aaron Rodgers versus the Packers. It's really more so Aaron Rodgers versus Brian Gutkunz, uh, who is the general manager. So we'll have to figure that out. Like I said, we will talk about that on Friday because that is 
it's very big news and it's very interesting because I think it does mean that this is a done deal that Aaron Rodgers Aaron Rodgers, I believe, has played his last game as a Green Bay Packer. If they're lucky, maybe they can mend the relationship to where he stays one more year. But just because of like cap reasons and all that, it will be tough to trade him. But I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going to finish his career in Green Bay unless he retires. Apparently, that is a very real conversation. Um, he is one of the people that they are um, bringing in and basically auditioning to be the permanent or the the host of Jeopardy moving forward. Aaron Rodgers, if you watched him while doing it, he was phenomenal. He's someone who has watched Jeopardy a lot, so he was a really good host when they had him do it for the little two weeks that he was there. Um, so we could definitely see more of that there, but super interesting to see how that all plays out. But let's get into the draft because that's what we're here to talk about. This is the draft recap episode of instant replay and so let's go round one first pick overall no surprises obviously you get trevor lawrence to the jacksonville jaguars my thoughts on this pick it's an a plus hit it out of the park um the jacksonville jaguars need a quarterback right like when you look at some of the names that they've had at quarterback outside of like mark brunel it's not impressive at all outside of mark brunel the jaguars have had just I mean, bust after bust. Um, guys like Blake Bortles, you know, Blaine Gabbert. They had Byron Leftwich for a little while. Um, Gardner Minshew, Mike Glennon. You know, like, that. It it's not a pretty list when it comes to the Jacksonville quarterbacks, right? The list just got way better with Trevor Lawrence. Um, I, you can't say enough good things about Trevor Lawrence. I mean... A lot of people will say, like, he's one of the best quarterback prospects of all time, right? Like, Mel Kuyper has said it all the time that he's his fourth best uh, rating he's ever given a quarterback, right? So, Trevor Lawrence seems to be a franchise saver. He looks like he looks like sunshine from Remember the Titans, which is one of the reasons why I've always been a big fan of his. But more important than anything, he plays tremendous football. He's athletic enough to move around and make plays with his feet. He's a great decision maker. He can make just about every throw. He has a pretty nice deep ball. Uh, he's a natural leader. And also, he's someone who has understood the assignment and understands what it takes to be in the spotlight because he kind of has been this exalted one since, really, he was in middle school, right? So he... Again, you, you just you can't go wrong with Trevor Lawrence. It's the right pick for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And if Trevor Lawrence doesn't work out, then this just tells you how tough it is to win in this league because Trevor Lawrence has everything that you're looking for in a quarterback. But like I said, Jacksonville Jaguars, that wasn't a surprise, right? That wasn't the surprise moment in this draft class right and we knew that we knew for the most part picks one and two and we're about to get into picks number two here we knew for the most part that picks one and two were gonna go a certain way and so like i said san francisco is where the draft really started but before we get there we have to get to the jets so obviously you have the jets with zach wilson um now how do i feel about this move I personally feel like 
the Jets made the right move trading away Sam Darnold, right? So that factors into part of this selection um, because that was the big decision for them. It was, okay, are we going to trade away the number two overall pick and get a king's ransom of draft capital and maybe even starting caliber players to to quickly rebuild this team around Sam Darnold? Or do we trade away Sam Darnold, pick up a little bit of draft capital, and use the plethora of picks that we already do have to um, draft a quarterback and build around them. I think they made the right decision in trading away Sam Darnold. I think Sam Darnold is extremely talented, and I do think that he's going to play well in Carolina. However, for me personally, I've I, I just have little little red flags about quarterbacks and things like that, and it's something. One of the red flags that I had about Sam Darnold and one of the rules that I follow when I'm when I evaluate quarterbacks coming out of college is if you were a turnover machine and if you threw a ton of interceptions in college, why should I believe you're not going to do the same in the NFL? And that's been a big part of Sam Darnold's game. He cannot take care of the ball. Granted, big part of that is because his offensive line has not been the best. He hasn't had any real weapons around him, so he sometimes has to force things there. And he also had a terrible head coach in Adam Gase. So, like I said, I do think Sam Darnold can be a good quarterback, and I think the Carolina Panthers will be able to unlock some of that talent that is there that we haven't really seen since his days uh, in college. But as far as the actual selection of Zach Wilson for the Jets, um, Again, this is not hate on Zach Wilson. I personally feel like there were maybe... I think you could make an argument that Zach Wilson was maybe the third or fourth best quarterback in this draft, right? Um, For me, I had Justin Fields ranked ahead of him. Um, And so to me, the Jets should have taken Justin Fields here. That's my opinion. Um, I think Justin Fields... Much better prospect. I think he's played against better competition. And I think everyone is getting caught up in Zach Wilson's ability to like make these quote-unquote off-schedule plays and how he throws the ball um, off-platform and all that other stuff. He's a great arm talent. Um, the, fact that, the fact that he didn't play against a bunch, uh, really didn't play against any... T- any guys that had a real shot of making it to the NFL uh, when he was at BYU, like he didn't play against anybody. He wasn't playing against guys that were four or five star recruits. He wasn't playing against guys who had real NFL aspirations. Right. Um, I also don't like the fact that he kind of gives off the, this aura of a one hit wonder, right? Like everyone wants to talk about his tape last year and how good it was, but look at his tape from two years ago and he was terrible. Right. So you kind of have to factor all that stuff in. All in all, I think Zach Wilson is a decent prospect. And uh, with the fact that the Jets do have a lot of capital now to build around him, I think they will be able to get some good stuff out of him. I also really like uh, Robert Sala, the new head coach of the New York Jets. Uh, We'll see what they can do moving forward with him. But for me, I think the Jets did a pretty good job with this pick. Um, Like I said, I would have preferred them go Justin Fields, but... Apparently, it's Zach Wilson that they wanted. Uh, Zach Wilson has been the 
the the the poster child and the the part zach wilson really was one of the people that benefited the most from the uh evaluation process and people just fell in love with like i said the as some people would like to quote those patrick mahomes type throws that he can make which i think is a little bit of a reach no one can make throws like patrick mahomes can but zach wilson does have a very talented arm um so i get it you know i get it not mad at it i would have gone with a different quarterback, but I do think the Jets needed to get a quarterback. Um, I was completely fine with them trading away Sam Darnold. Uh, so I like I like the position that they selected. I just think that there was a better option. Uh, I think there was a better player at that position they could have gotten. But to get the third best quarterback in the draft, in my opinion, at pick number two, not that bad. Number three. All righty. So this is where the draft started. The San Francisco 49ers were on the clock. And all ever since the San Francisco 49ers traded up from, I believe they traded up from, what was it, 13 or 12? Wherever it was, right? <laughs> Wherever it was, they traded up. Um, yeah, they were at 12, sorry. So they traded up from 12 to 3, gave up a ton of draft capital, and immediately, when the 49ers did that, everyone immediately thought, okay, they're trading up to get Justin Fields. And then the reports came out that Kyle Shanahan loves, really adores Mac Jones. And for, I'd say about a good two months, it was very clear that it was like, okay, so the 49ers are taking Mac Jones. Um... But then, as we got closer and closer to the draft, um, you started to hear some more rumblings that, well, Kyle Shanahan likes Mac Jones, but everyone else in that building is saying Trey Lance, right? Everyone else in that building is saying Trey Lance. So you started coming, and it was really like this kind of, at this point, it started going from what seemed like 90-10 in favor of Mac Jones very quickly became 50-50. And it was important because it was going to shape the rest of the draft and how things ended up going. And so Mac, so the 49ers are on the clock and the pick comes in, the commissioner comes across the stage and he says Trey Lance's name. And I have to tell you, I, I was genuinely surprised. I... Like I said, the day of, we had a couple people, you know, uh, like Patrick McAfee on his show said earlier in the day that, hey, like, from per my sources, the pick is not going to be Mac Jones, right? And lo and behold, we see Trey Lance go. Trey Lance is a very interesting pro prospect, right? He's going to take some work. He's going to take some work, which is why I think it's perfect that he goes to San Francisco. Uh, they're going to keep Jimmy Garoppolo. And it's something that's something that I said earlier, too, because from the beginning, I never believed that it was going to be Mac Jones. Now, as things went along, I was like, okay, maybe they do select him. But I just, I didn't believe that you give up all that draft capital to get Mac Jones at three when you probably still could have gotten him at 12, right? So that was one. And then two, the big thing for me that kind of showed that it wasn't going to be Mac Jones was the fact that they were keeping Jimmy Garoppolo. And, you know, Jimmy, 
obviously, you know, when he's healthy, this team plays well, right? It's just the truth. When 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 Jimmy is healthy, this team plays well and at the very least go to a Super Bowl. They may not win it, but they at least go to a Super Bowl, right? Jimmy Garoppolo sticks around for a year. And when they said that, you know, they were going to keep him, that they had no interest in trading him, I was like, okay, if you're trading up to get a quarterback, but you're going to keep Jimmy Garoppolo, it's probably because you feel like your quarterback needs to develop. And that's exactly what Trey Lance needs to do. Um, coming out of North Dakota State, obviously, he's super efficient, you know, dropping from under center, right? Which is something that a lot of other college quarterbacks don't do. But, you know, he still needs to develop, right? Like he's going to, he's the one out of all of the quarterbacks that were in like, you know, that, that top tier group, he's probably the one who would benefit from sitting a year the most, right? Like I feel like everyone else, uh, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, uh, Mac Jones, Justin Fields, I feel like everyone else is going to be fine as far as um, like if they needed to start week one, I think they'd be better off than Justin, or I'm sorry, than Trevor, or goodness, than Trey Lance would, right? I think Trey Lance is going to benefit the most from sitting a year, um, having Kyle Shanahan in his ear, telling him what needs to be done, watching Jimmy Garoppolo run this offense, and then coming in and taking over uh, next year uh, after he sat for a year and kind of really gotten comfortable with this offense and this scheme. Um, as a prospect though, Trey Lance, like I said, extremely physically gifted, can run the ball. He, you know, he adds that, uh, dynamic to this offense, something that you don't really have in Jimmy Garoppolo. He takes care of the ball only through one interception in his college career. Granted, he only has 17 starts, which is a little concerning. I like guys who, you know, have over 20, 23, 24 starts, like basically guys who have started at least two seasons worth of football in college. I like those guys. You know, we, it's very rare that you see someone who has a limited amount of starts really pan out in the NFL, right? Like that was one of the big problems with the Bears drafting Mitchell Trubisky. They traded up to draft a guy who had only started 13 games in college. Um, and obviously Mitchell Trubisky did not pan out. So that's a little bit there, but his size, his athleticism, his ability to throw the ball, um, the way he takes care of the ball, and then the fact that he has Kyle Shanahan teaching him and, and you know, really uh, going to be able to get him comfortable with this scheme. I think it's a great pick. Uh, like I said, this is an A-plus for me. They hit it out of the park. Um, and I think they did the right thing by not drafting Mac Jones. I think trading up trading up to three to, to get Trey Lance is justified. Trading up to three to get Mac Jones when he probably was going to fall to you at 12 either way isn't justified at all. But on to the next next pick, pick number four. And this, to me, is the first miss of the draft. And it's not because I think that Kyle Pitts is going to be a bad player. Um, at four, you had the Atlanta Falcons, and they drafted Kyle Pitts, the tight end out of Florida. And listen, Kyle Pitts is phenomenal. Kyle Pitts might be the best player in this draft when it's all said and done. Like, genuinely. Like, I, I truly believe that. He, if you, and I've said this before, the two players, there are two players in this draft that I would feel comfortable putting a significant amount of money on if you were to ask me the question. If you had to bet a significant amount of money that that one player from this draft would end up being a Hall of Famer, who would it be? 
And I told you, I have two players that I would feel comfortable putting a significant amount of money on. That's Kyle Pitts and that's Penny Suel. So Kyle Pitts is going to be a game changer, right? He's going to be dynamic. He's a matchup nightmare because he's really not even a tight end. He's a hybrid tight end wide receiver because he has such a rare blend of size and length and speed, right? Like he's a guy who is six foot six, 245 pounds, but still runs like a four, four, right? So he's, he's too fast for linebackers. Hell, he's too fast for safeties, right? But then he's way too big for corners. Um, he's going to be a matchup nightmare. He's going to be unstoppable. I love Kyle Pitts as a prospect. And I think in Atlanta with Matt Ryan throwing the ball to him, Julio Jones on one side, if they do keep him, that's another thing that's been coming out that maybe the Falcons would uh, trade away Julio Jones. You still have Calvin Ridley and whatnot. You still have Hayden Hurst. So Kyle Pitts is going to have a phenomenal year. Here's why I say this is a miss. If you are the Falcons, this was the last thing you should have done. There were three things the Falcons could have done. Number one was draft a quarterback. Justin Fields is right there. You need to start thinking about the future. Matt Ryan, really, in all honesty, I believe Matt Ryan really only has about maybe two years left of good football in him before he really, like, to to quote Max Kellerman when he was trying to talk about Tom Brady, uh, he only has about two years left before he hits the cliff and just falls off, right? I think Matt Ryan has about two years left before he really isn't Matt Ryan anymore. Um, you need to start thinking about the future and you're not going to draft like the foul, the foul, especially after drafting Kyle Pitts, you might, you're probably going to win some more games this year. Maybe like you win two more games this year, but you're not going to be picking number four overall again in the near future, right? Like it's just, it's just, it's going to be tough to be that bad again, right? It's going to be tough. Um, and so when you had Justin Fields there, right, um, I just think it's 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 insane that you pass up on him. Or what you could have done, in my opinion, and probably would have been the move that I would have made, was trade back. Trade back and get some defenders. I'm sure there was a team maybe like uh, the Patriots or maybe like the... Um, the Eagles, maybe even the Broncos, right? Like, I'm sure there were tons of teams who were calling you about that number four overall pick who were sitting there and were ready to give you a really nice haul of draft picks to move up. And you could have fallen back, still gotten a really good defensive player, added some draft capital to Kilk, because guess what? The Falcons, their two main problems right now. You need to get, you need to retool this offensive line because they're getting older. And two, really most importantly, that defense is terrible. So yeah, it's great that you have Kyle Pitts. And yeah, it's great that you're going to score like 30 points a game. It's not going to matter if your defense is giving up 40. So it's not that I think Kyle Pitts is going to be a bust. I think Kyle Pitts is going to be phenomenal. I think I think as far as his production, they hit it out of the park. They got someone who's going to be a stud, right? Like they got someone who's probably going to end up being the best tight end in football within the next couple of years. Um However, as far as building their team and actually changing the the trajectory of their team and actually winning games and winning Super Bowls, this does nothing for them. Nothing. So I just felt like it was a bad pick for the Falcons, in my opinion. But here we are. Um, and from one bad pick to another bad pick, in my opinion, again, this is not an indictment on the player that was picked. 
this is me indicting the organization the organization for not doing what in my opinion they should have done uh the next pick was the Cincinnati Bengals and you have the Bengals uh obviously they have Joe Burrow who tore his ACL last year couldn't finish the season because they could not protect him Penny Suwell was sitting right there on the board and the Cincinnati Bengals traded him or uh passed up on that opportunity to draft Penny Suwell and drafted Jamar Chase. Again, Jamar Chase is a freak athlete. I mean, six foot, 201 pounds, and can absolutely fly, tracks the ball well, amazing body control. Obviously, he and Joe Burrow have um, a rapport because of their time in LSU um, two years ago, back in 2019, when they won a championship, right? And again, this is not an indictment on Jamar Chase. I think Jamar Chase is going to be phenomenal. I think people forget just how great Jamar Chase was because he obviously was someone who opted out of the 2020 season and didn't play uh, because he, like I said, he opted out because of COVID and things like that and didn't feel comfortable playing, which is completely fine. But I said this when we were covering the pick on draft night on Thursday, I was like, for the people that forget how good Jamar Chase was, he was the best player on a team that had Joe Burrow, Justin Jefferson and Clyde Edwards Hilaire, right? Like, Three other guys who went in the first round last year for LSU, Jamar Chase was still the best player on the, on that team, right? So that's to show you how great he is. Um, and yes, this is a position of need somewhat because, you know, like I said, the, the, the Bengals, you lose A.J. Green in free agency, even though A.J. Green didn't really bring much. A.J. Green definitely looks like a shell of himself, so he wasn't really adding much to the offense anyway last year. You did have T. Higgins, who played very well. Now you get a legit number one to pair up with T. Higgins. Now T. Higgins can kind of be that that number two uh, wide receiver on the roster. But this is a great pick. And I'm pretty sure Joe Burrow probably really pushed for them to get Jamar Chase. And it's funny because my one of our colleagues, Keith Richards, we had our side chat going while we were doing the show. And someone said, uh, Joe Burrow got what he asked for, you know, like he, he got the guy he asked for and Keith Richards, who recently had a baby shout out to Keith. Uh, Keith said, uh, if my baby wants ice cream for dinner, it doesn't mean that I'm going to give it to her. And I felt that I 100% agree with that. This should have been an offensive lineman. This should have been Penny Suwell because at the end of the day, when you have a young quarterback, you need to do two things and specifically in this order. Get him an offensive line that can protect him. Get him some weapons. Protect him first, then get him some weapons. The Bengals apparently want to get him weapons now, and then maybe we can protect him later. And they did address the offensive line a little bit in the later drafts, but still, when you have an opportunity to get a guy who I believe is going to be a future Hall of Famer, a guy who's going to get multiple All-Pro nods, a guy who's going to be selected to multiple Pro Bowls, a guy who you plug in, in Penny Suell, and you don't have to worry about that side of the line for the next 10 years, as opposed, like you could have gotten that as opposed to a dynamic wide receiver. I just personally feel like the offensive lineman is the better pick there. Um, and again, Joe Burrow can't throw footballs on his back. <laughs> like, yeah, Jamar Chase can be wide open down. Yeah, listen, Jamar Chase can win every single matchup that he is put up against and can burn the corner that is trying to cover him and be wide open and have nothing but daylight in front of him. It doesn't matter if Joe Burrow has three guys pulling on his jersey, taking him to the ground. You need to protect your quarterback. That's why I feel like this is a terrible pick for the Cincinnati Bengals. 
Um, this is a miss for me, similar to the Falcons. It is not because of the player they picked. It is because it is not what they needed to do. It is not the position that they needed to address. It felt like a luxury pick when you have many more foundational pieces um, to... You have a lot of found a lot of foundational problems with your organization right now as far as the way your team is built, and they completely ignored them. So, like I said, I do think Jamar Chase is going to be a phenomenal player. Um, I do think that they will be able to recreate some of that magic that they had at LSU, but they need to protect Joe Burrow more than anything. So, I wasn't a fan of this pick, but... Hey, it's the Cincinnati Bengals. We'll let them do what they do. Pick number six. Um, really love this pick here for the Dolphins. The Dolphins, obviously, the, the, the Dolphins are a team that they're going to make the playoffs next year, man. They're going to make the playoffs this year. The team is great. Um, they're really rebuilding and building around to a... I'm super excited to see what he's going to do. And now he has a legit number one weapon in Jalen Waddle, who actually is a guy. Again, we got we saw a lot of reunions um, in this draft. You know, a lot of a lot of guys are being reunited with some of their college teammates. Obviously, we see Joe Burrow is reunited with Jamar Chase. Now we see Tua Tungavailoa being reunited uh, with Jalen Waddle. You know, the last time these two played together, uh, they connected for over 800 yards or nearly 800 yards. So obviously they have some, uh, some familiarity with each other and Jalen Waddle is just phenomenal. He, he also brings you some, uh, real juice in the return game as a punt returner. Um, he's undersized, but he is dangerous. He is extremely fast, uh, really great agility. He can move and cut well, makes guys miss super elusive, has great field vision. And like I said, he's someone who he will run by you. Right. Once he gets that step on you, you can go ahead and basically call it call it a day because he you're not going to catch him from behind, basically. <laughs> right. So giving uh, giving to a, a real number one weapon. Now you walk into an offense that has Jalen Waddle on one side. You have uh, Will Fuller on the other. You have Devontae Parker. Um, you also have Mike Gusecki. Like you have some really good pieces. Um, if you are the Miami Dolphins. So I think this pick is a hit. Really good for the Dolphins. They did exactly what they needed to do. Moving on to number seven, because we are about 30 minutes in, we still have about 25 picks left to, left to go through, and as well as some other late round picks that I, I really enjoyed. Um, we're going to go going to try and speed this up a little bit more. Um, the Detroit Lions with Penny Suell. Phenomenal pick. Um, the fact that Penny Suell fell to seven is ridiculous to me. He's someone who should not have made it out of the top five. He, to me, is probably the second or third best prospect in this draft, in my opinion. Like I said, a guy who in my, it, I believe is going to end up being a future Hall of Famer, all pro. Um, he has great foot speed, can reach defenders in zone blocks, um, great push, gets his hands on guys. Um, he has short arms for an, uh, for an offensive tackle, but he uses his hands so well and he lands his punches all the time, right? Like, he he is just phenomenal all around. Um, so for the Detroit Lions to go out and be able to get, like I said, a guy who should have, who, in my opinion, is the third best prospect in this draft uh, at number seven and really address a position of need at the same time, help you protect your new quarterback and Jared Goff, great pick for 
the Detroit Lions. I don't know if Penny Sewell is going to be biting off kneecaps, but he's going to protect Jared Goff, and you're not going to have to worry about that side of the line for the next 10 years as long as he's there. Um, up next, you have the Carolina Panthers. The Carolina Panthers were a team that a lot of people were interested to see what they would do. Would they trade out of this pick? Would they maybe trade up? Would they still draft a quarterback? They did not. They went with uh, the very first defensive player actually taken in this draft uh, at pick eight was J.C. Horn, the cornerback out of South Carolina, um, a guy who, with good size, was someone who was consistently at South Carolina asked to take away the number one wide receiver on the opposing team. Uh, he's a true man-to-man guy, and even though he only picked off, he only has two interceptions, right? But he tracks the ball well. He's competitive in 50-50 situations. Um, he's gonna he's gonna be a, he's gonna be much more of a playmaker in the NFL than he was at South Carolina. He's gonna get his hands on balls. He's gonna take away the uh, opposing team's number one wide receivers. He's he's it's not gonna be Horn Island, you know, uh, you know, a la Revis Island. Uh, it won't be just like that. But he is someone who you can go out and say, hey, you're gonna travel with the number one wide receiver and you're gonna cover him man to man all game, and he will not have many problems. So. I think it's a great pick for the Carolina Panthers, getting some help in that secondary. Um, you got Sam Darnold. You know, that offense is going to be solid. It's time to make sure that defense can hold up their end of the bargain. Really like that for the Carolina Panthers. Next up, we have the ninth pick in the draft, which was owned by the Denver Broncos. And like I said, this was another one of those very interesting spots where everyone was assuming, like, okay, are we going to see a trade here? Are we going to see the Green Bay Packers name come up on the board right now? What what's going to happen, right? Then there was also questions about whether or not, okay, are they going to possibly um, take Justin Fields here? Or, you know, maybe this is where Mac Jones go. Could they go for a quarterback, even though the Denver Broncos did just recently trade for Teddy Bridgewater? Um, there was a lot of questions here. And then there was also like, okay, well, if they don't go quarterback, they're not going to trade it. Who will they go with? Will they go uh, and maybe try and protect the the Drew Locke, you know, because I think Drew Locke is, they're still trying to figure out if Drew Locke can be their guy. They brought in Teddy Bridgewater as a little bit of competition. Um, but maybe they're like, hey, will we draft maybe a Rashawn Slater to protect him? They didn't do any of those moves. Instead, they actually drafted the next defensive player in the draft in Alabama cornerback Patrick Sertain the second. Again, tall, long corner, good size reads quarterback's eyes really well, plays the ball well. Um, and, you know, the Broncos are really starting to try and rebuild that defense, similar to how it was a couple of years ago when they won a championship, right? And yes, the Broncos signed Ronald Darby, Ronald Darby and Kyle Fuller. Um, and Adding Patrick Sertain just goes to show you that, which granted, their secondary last year was not well, was not good. You know, they allowed the second highest completion percentage um, outside the number, outside the numbers last year. They had the fewest amount of picks um, when it came to balls that were thrown outside the numbers. Like they were really bad, you know, like they in the middle, they were able to hold things down as far as the middle of the fields. But outside the numbers, they struggled. Patrick Sertain is someone who can come in and is going to really uh, immediately make a make a splash in that department. He's also a willing uh, tackler, uh, so he's going to be great as far as uh, in run support and getting guys down after the catch. So I like the pick for the Broncos. They're trying to rebuild that defense. Good for them. The first trade of the night 
came at pick 10, and it was a little bit of a surprise. The Dallas Cowboys were sitting at 10, and the Cowboys ended up drafting a corner in the second round by the name of Kelvin Joseph, who it who the the Cowboys uh, were telling everyone that they uh, that's who they wanted to get the entire time. I don't necessarily believe that. I believe that the Dallas Cowboys were sitting there and they saw the two corners that they really wanted in the first round get selected right <laughs> to pick like back to back right in front of them with J.C. Horn and Patrick Sertain. So they were sitting there and the Cowboys knew that they were going to take a defensive player. And so what I believe happened actually was they made a very rare trade inside the division with the Philadelphia Eagles. The Philadelphia Eagles traded up from 12 to 10 with the Dallas Cowboys and the Philadelphia Eagles selected Devontae Smith, um, another wide receiver out of Alabama, elite route runner, gets set separation because of it. I mean, absolutely torches guys when he's in man coverage. Um, really good at finding those soft spots in the zone against zone coverages and things like that. Strong hands. He immediately becomes the number one weapon that they have in Philadelphia because that's just how bad this offense and devoid of talent this team is. Um, it's a great pick for Philly. It, like I said, they needed to get a wide receiver. They needed to get a weapon for Jalen Hurts if he's going to have any sort of success. And again, another reunion of sorts. Um, Jalen Hurts and Devontae Smith played together for a while. So again, familiarity. We saw that a lot this this draft, that a lot of teams were drafting guys and were reuniting teammates and things like that. Um, so it's a great pick for the Philadelphia Eagles. But more importantly, I think it's very interesting that the Cowboys made this trade with the Eagles because what this said to me was because there was a lot of there was a lot of talk that if Devontae Smith was on the board when the when the New York Giants selected who the New York Giants originally were slated to select 11th, um, there was a lot of talk that if Devontae Smith was still on the board, that the New York Giants would take him. And what I think happened was the Dallas Cowboys sat back and said, hey, the Giants are a pretty decent team, and they're not too far away from really competing, whereas the Philadelphia Eagles have a lot of rebuilding to do. We would rather Devontae Smith be on the Philadelphia Eagles than be on the New York Giants. And that's that That really is feels like that's the reason why the Dallas Cowboys made this trade, um, which I think is smart. I think, I think you sat back and you saw that the two corners that you would have liked to have gotten in the first round weren't there. Um, and you also, so you don't get them, but you get to trade back, pick up a little bit of draft capital. You get to keep Devontae Smith out of New York, and you still get to take a great defender two picks later, right? So I think it was a great move for the Cowboys. For the Eagles, it was a great move as far as uh, trading up and getting a true number one wide receiver on your team. I'm very excited to see how this is going to play out. Like I said, I'm happy that Jalen Hurts has a real number one weapon now. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what happens in Philly, but he's going to come in and be the best wide receiver from day one, and we'll go from there. Now, this is just all a part. This is kind of like the butterfly effect, right? This is this is really what it comes down to. This is so many different things need to happen for certain things to shape out, right? You know, the butterfly effect, for those who don't know, the butterfly effect basically is a, is a theory that states that, you know, a butterfly, the flap of a butterfly's wings 
something so small can lead to a catastrophe, right? Can lead to so many different ripples. It's the, it's the, like I said, it's the idea that a flap of a butterfly's wing can lead to an avalanche, right? This is exactly what this is, this is, right? So there's so many pieces to this and I, I'm not going to go through all of them, but just, just a couple really big ones, right? The Jets trading away Sam Darnold, right? The Jets trading away um, Sam Darnold to the Carolina Panthers put the Panthers in a situation where they didn't have to draft a quarterback. So they didn't draft a quarterback. So they drafted a corner, right? They drafted J.C. Horn instead of maybe Justin Fields. Then because J.C. Horn was off the board, Pat Sertain went to the Denver Broncos. And then because the... Um, the 49ers traded up from 12 to 3 to get Trey Lance, which led the Miami Dolphins to fall to 12, which then led the Dolphins trading the 12th pick for the 6th pick, or trading up, you know, trading up from 12 to 6 with the Eagles and the Eagles falling back to 12. Right? There's so many different pieces of this. All of these things led to this moment. Basically, all of that happened, and because there were no cornerbacks on the board and the Cowboys didn't want Devontae Smith to end up in New York, they trade back, the Eagles trade up, they take Devontae Smith, and now because the Giants, who really wanted a wide receiver in the first round, can't get the guy they really wanted at 11, they trade back to the Chicago Bears, and the Chicago Bears are able to get their quarterback of the future in Justin Fields. All of those, all of those moves, right? All of those moves played a part in the Bears getting Justin Fields, which is insane to think about, right? Like it's the butterfly effect. You never know how far. One of my favorite movies is um <clears throat> is Wanted, the movie with uh, Angelina Jolie and Morgan Freeman, and I am blanking on the main character's name right now, and I don't know why, but uh, there's a point in that movie when Angelina Jolie is talking to the main character and she says, you never know how far the ripples of your decision go. And this is just a clear example of it. Like all of these decisions have had all of these different ripple effects and it led to the bears getting quite possibly the best quarterback they've ever had. That's not a joke. The bears have never had as great a quarterback as Justin Fields is going to be from day one. Right. Justin Fields immediately comes in and becomes the greatest prospect the Bears have ever had at quarterback. Um, they traded up a ton. They gave up a lot to get him. But the fact that Justin Fields was there at 11, I think this is a home run for the Bears. It was aggressive. It was a move that Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace had to make because obviously they are coaching and managing for their jobs this year because if this team does not perform well or if Justin Fields doesn't show some sort of promise this year, they will be out the door and they will be fired. Um, but the Bears, I, I have to give them credit. I have to give them a ton of credit. It was a it was an aggressive move. It was a move that was made a little bit out of desperation, but it was the move that they needed to make. The fact that you got, in my opinion, the second best quarterback in this draft at pick 11 is insane. 
And I think it's going to work out tremendously for the Bears. Congrats to Chicago. You all deserve this. The Bears are the only organization in NFL football that have not had a single quarterback throw for over 4,000 yards in a single season. I believe that is going to change very soon, and Justin Fields is going to finally break that streak. But I believe this is a home run hit. Congrats to Chicago. You finally have a quarterback. Moving on to the team that traded back to 12 was the Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys, obviously, like I said, didn't have any of the corners that I think they really would have liked to have gotten in the first round. So what do we do here? Well, we still need to address the defense. And even though Jalen Smith and Leighton Vander Esch started off very well and looked like they were going to be a dynamic duo um, at linebacker moving forward, um, we've started to see Jalen Smith has really taken some steps back. Um, he doesn't seem like the player he was a couple years ago. Leighton Vander Esch can't stay healthy. So linebacker quickly became a need for the Dallas Cowboys. And congrats to them. They got, in my opinion, what was the best defensive player in this draft uh, in Micah Parsons. Solid tacker, good size. out of Penn, or Micah Parsons, who was the linebacker out of Penn State. Great tackler. Like I said, really good size. Has range. He's exactly what you like out of your linebacker today. He can run sideline to sideline. He can shoot gaps. He can be a disruptive interior run defender, um, but is still good enough to like slip ball, slip uh, past blockers. Um, he has great coverage as far as falling back in zone. If you want him to maybe play man man on man against a couple wide receivers or tight ends, he can do that in the pass game. And also, if you need him to, he can flash and maybe get after the passer a couple times. All around, everything that you want in a linebacker, especially in today's NFL. Micah Parsons, tremendous pick for the Dallas Cowboys. <clears throat> At 13, you have the Los Angeles Chargers, and lucky for them, all of this stuff was going on, and they were another. They were one of the few teams that were able to just let a guy fall to them, right? Rashawn Slater, who the second-best offensive lineman in this draft class, some, pe- some teams even had him ranked ahead of Penae Suel. I didn't, but I can understand why some teams would. Uh, the Los Angeles Chargers being able to get Rashawn Slater that late in the in the draft at 13. Like I said, he's phenomenal, and they're doing exactly what they needed. Now, granted, Justin Herbert came into a situation where this team already had a lot of weapons. Um, so them getting Rashawn Slater to strengthen and solidify that line, I'm really excited for what the Chargers are going to do. I think the Chargers, the Chargers are another team that, like, they had a really good draft this year. They had a really good draft this year. So, Shout out to the Chargers. Like I said, really great pick for them. And they were one of the teams that were lucky that their guy just got to fall right into their laps. So um, next up you have at 14, originally it was set for Minnesota to be there. And surprisingly, this the, the New York Jets traded up in the draft because the, the Jets did have two first round picks. They traded up to select Elijah Vera Tucker, the offensive guard out of USC who really shot up draft boards uh, as of recently. I think he's going to be a phenomenal player. The thing that I love most about this about this selection, um, and like I said, Elijah Vera Tucker, he's going to be great in the run game. He has good body control, anchors well in pass pro. You know, he's not someone who lets guys get by him or, is, it, it, you know, can get pushed off of his uh, pushed off his set. You know, he's not someone who's going to get, you know, lose his balance and things like that, right? So he's going to be great in the run game and the pass game. But the thing that's great about this pick to me is now that left side 
of the field, that left side of the offensive line for Zach Wilson is going to be as stout as any other uh, left side of an offensive line in the NFL. You pair up Elijah Vera Tucker with Makai Becton, who they drafted in the first round last year, who played phenomenally. Zach Wilson's blind side is completely, I mean, completely covered. He has nothing to worry about on the left side. So that's a great pick uh, to me. I know some people were maybe a little shocked that they traded up to get him, uh, that they traded up to get Elijah Vera Tucker, but I thought it was a great pick for the uh, New York Jets um, getting Elijah Vera Tucker there. And like I said, Zach Wilson's left side is going to be protected for the next 10 years, it seems like. Um, I spoke about how the Los Angeles Chargers uh, obviously had their guy fall right to them you know, at, at, at 13, it seems like that happened with the new England Patriots, you know, and this was something that some people kind of projected and thought would happen was that if the 49ers don't trade or don't draft Mac Jones, Mac Jones could fall. And I believe that because I thought that the 49ers were the only team that were really in love with Mac Jones. And it seems like they were, it seemed like there weren't any other teams that were maybe quarterback needy that were willing to trade up for Mac Jones that really loved him that much. But lucky for the New England Patriots, the Alabama quarterback falls straight down to 15 and lands right in the lap of Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels, who this is what I believed would happen. I thought that Mac Jones was going to fall and he was going to fall right to the New England Patriots. Uh, They get their quarterback of the future, someone who reminds you a lot of Tom Brady in the way that he plays. He's a statue. He's not going to move around much. He beats you with his pinpoint accuracy and his ability to dissect and read a defense. And that's exactly how Tom Brady beats you. Um, will he? I'm not saying he's going to be as good as Tom Brady, right? I'm not going to say he's going to be as productive. He's not going to win as many Super Bowls as Tom Brady, right? I'm not saying any of that. But his game is Tom Brady-like as far as his accuracy and his ability to read a defense and understand what he needs to do in order to keep this offense moving. Um, And then obviously a ton of the moves that they made in the offseason to get some real weapons in here for uh, obviously Cam Newton this year and then Mac Jones moving forward. I think the Patriots are set to really make some noise uh, within these next couple of years. So Next pick was the Arizona Cardinals. And the Arizona Cardinals, this was a little bit of a surprise to me. They took Zayvon Collins, the outside linebacker slash edge rusher out of Tulsa. Um, I really thought that they would possibly go um, corner. Granted, J.C. Horn, Patrick Sertain were off the board. Caleb Farley was still on the board, which I thought, granted, I know a lot of teams were really worried about you know him and his back surgeries and, you know, his injury history and things like that. But I thought they definitely, I thought this was a spot where Caleb Farley was going to go. They surprised me a little bit when they went there, when they went with Zayvon Collins, um, because it kind of seems like that's a spot where they're kind of set as far as getting guys off the edge, right? Like you have Chandler Jones, you sign JJ Watt. Granted, this is a, this is a pick for the future, right? Like this is so that way they can have, uh, you know, a lead, a lead, a pass rusher, you know, three or four years from now when JJ Watt and Chandler Jones have, you know, gone their separate ways and have retired or whatnot. But, and granted, you can never have too many pass rushers, right? Like you can never have too many guys that can get after the quarterback because that is the name of the game for the defense basically. But 
Zayvon Collins, like I said, it wasn't the pick that I thought the Cardinals would make. I thought they would have gone offensive line, or I thought maybe um, even, you know, cornerback were two more viable options. But they get Zayvon Collins, and if you watch Tulsa at all, it was very hard to not be enamored by what Zayvon Collins does. Um, Super dynamic and versatile. Um, Again, one of those guys who has a really good uh, blend of size and speed. Um, Tall enough to see into the backfield, can shoot gaps, has strength to hold on um, at the point of attack. Reads quarterback well, reads quarterbacks very well, and has pretty good ball skills. So he... uh, it's a good selection. Like I said, he's a good player. I, it just wasn't the move that I thought the Cardinals would make. The next move <laughs> by the Las Vegas Raiders, and again, this just this move this is another move that just screams John Gruden. Um, the Oakland, Oakland, the Las Vegas Raiders selected Alex Leatherwood, who offensive lineman out of Alabama. Good, good player, right? That's that's what I want to say first. He's a good player. Alex Leatherwood was a guy who should not have gone this early. He's not someone who should have been drafted in the middle of the first round. He's someone who, if he was lucky, should have been one of the last three or four picks in the first round. But in realist, like in reality, Alex Leatherwood is a guy who should have gone on day two in the second round. The fact that this is a reach, this was an extreme reach. And it's not to say that Alex Leatherwood isn't going to be a good player. It's just that, and you know, maybe, and again, it's one of those situations where maybe this was just one of their guys. Maybe it was, they just loved everything that they saw out of him. It does fill a position of need because the Raiders need to rebuild this offensive line because they really kind of decimated it this off season. But I felt like he could have traded back and still got an Alex Leatherwood. I feel like personally there were some other offensive linemen that were better than Alex that were still there. You know, I felt like Christian Derisaw was on the board and you could have gotten him. So again, John Gruden and Mike Mayock have really bungled their uh, first round picks. Now, however, they've done a f- tr- these last couple of years, they've been terrible in like the first and second round, but those middle rounds, those, third fourth and fifth they hit it out of the park so this screams john gruden it's exactly what you would have expected out of the raiders reaching for a guy in the in the middle of the first round that they probably could have gotten in the middle of the second they took him in a whole round early um but that being said i do think alex leatherwood will end up being um a starting and a good offensive lineman so i guess that's really the only thing that matters but just feels like a reach, in my opinion. Uh, next up, you had the Miami Dolphins making their second selection of the day. Uh, they get Jalen Phillips, uh, the edge rusher out of the University of Miami, was a guy who originally was playing at USC, or I'm sorry, uh, was at UCLA, had some concussion problems, um, reti- actually med- was forced to medically retire for about a year. Then he transferred over to University of Miami went out, played. Had he had he not had injury concerns, Jalen Phillips, who, like I said, is aggressive, gets after guys, makes a ton of tackles in the backfield. Um, just 
especially on obvious he's a guy who you want out there on third down in like obvious pass situations because he's going to pin his ears back and he's going to get after the quarterback um he's a guy who definitely would have gotten drafted probably even top 10 had he not had the injury concerns that he did um so dolphins go ahead beef up that defense which really came on strong last year you get an edge rusher that's going to be able to get after some guys you got to a um a weapon Really good first round for the Miami Dolphins. Next up was the Washington football team. This is a spot where you were probably a little surprised that Washington didn't trade up to get a quarterback. But, you know, obviously I think the Bears jumping up to trade and get Justin Fields kind of took the the wind out of their sails. And then obviously Mac Jones goes to 15. Uh, So the Washington football team, Sat back. Um, this is another spot where I thought Christian Derisaw could have went. Christian Derisaw had a bit of a fall in this draft. I don't know why. Um, because I think, again, he's the third best offensive lineman in this draft, in my opinion. Um, and so why he fell, I don't know. But he did. The Washington football team ended up taking Jamin Davis, who I do like Jamin Davis. I want that to be said. And them adding him to be that interior linebacker is going to be dangerous for a defense that was already really tough and scary. He is a great off-ball linebacker, really good range, a downhill run defender, really good tackler, good balance, um, explosive, right? Like he explodes at the point of contact. So it's a good pick for them. It was, again, another selection that I was like, oh, wow, I didn't expect them to make that pick, but I do like the pick a lot. Um, They're building up this defense, man. They're building up this defense, and this defense is only going to get better. Next up, and we are reaching the hour mark, so I'm going to start flying through these. Um, Next up, you had the New York Giants taking the Florida wide receiver, Kadarius Toney, who I liked a lot. I think I liked him more than some other people did. I like Kadarius Toney a lot. I like the fact that the Giants fell back, even though I felt like the Giants... The Giants had a good draft, other than the fact that they just, I guess, punted on trying to get some offensive line help, which to me was surprising. And like I said, I was sitting there like Christian Derrissaw is right here. It makes a ton of sense for the New York Giants to go ahead and get him at 20. They did not. They went out and got Kadarius Toney. I felt like it was, again, a luxury pick. This offensive line in New York is terrible, and Daniel Jones cannot handle pressure. It's just that simple. He has a QBR of about 90 when the pocket is clean. When he is pressured, that QBR literally drops down to about 45. You need to protect him. It's the same situation that we see with the Cincinnati Bengals. Yes, you can have all the weapons in the world, and getting Jamar Chase is great, but again, quarterbacks can't throw the ball when they're laying on their butts. They can't throw the ball when they have D tackles that are 300 pounds falling on top of them. They just can't. Um, So like I said, I do like adding Kadarius Toney to this already stacked wide receiver room, and it is definitely going to make it – uh, more dangerous. Kadarius also gives you some juice as a return man, but I felt like this would have been better suited being an offensive lineman. After that, we had the Indianapolis Colts selection uh, at 21. The Colts went out and got Quiddy Pay. Uh, obviously, a move that they needed to make, not getting bringing back Justin Houston. They need to find their edge rusher of the future. Quiddy Pay, I think, was probably the second or third best edge rusher in this draft class, Uh, really good pad level. 
um, can make plays in the backfield. Chase has he's one of those guys who you always see never gives up on a play. He chases with really good effort. Um, not a great hands fighter, but because of just how explosive he is, he he's going to be able to get by guys. He's going to beat them with speed. He's not going to beat them with technique, but technique is something that you can work on. It's something that you can bring along. And I trust this Colts um, coaching staff to really get him to where he needs to be. But the Colts getting him at 21 basically is going to be the future uh, for them at edge rusher. I think great selection for them um, in the first round. Probably one of my favorite picks and one of the best values that you're going to get in the draft was at 22 with the Tennessee Titans uh, taking Caleb Farley. Like I said, Caleb Farley, in my opinion, was the best cornerback in this draft class. He, I mean, super fast, was a guy who's a former receiver, so he has tremendous ball skills. He is a playmaker. Um, He reads quarterbacks well because he also played quarterback in high school. Um, His technique and recognition is only going to get better. Like he, again, another guy who you can just set him up against the number one wide receiver and say, hey, neutralize him, and he will do it. Um, like I said, he fell to 22 because he had some concerns as far as injuries go with his back. He also tested positive the week of the draft, so I'm pretty sure that also didn't help out either. But um, them getting him at 22 when he's a guy who really should have gone in the top 10, I think it's phenomenal. I think it's phenomenal value. It also uh, gets you to a point with the Titans that kind of uh, answers uh, a position of need because obviously you lose Malcolm Butler, you lose um, Adoree Jackson. They needed to replenish their secondary, and in my opinion, they just got the best corner in this draft in Caleb Farley. So great, great selection, great selection by the Tennessee Titans. And next at 23, another great selection because of great value, Christian Darisaw going to the Minnesota Vikings. If you remember, the Minnesota Vikings uh, traded back um, from 14, and this I, they could have drafted Christian Darisaw at 14. They traded back, picked up some draft capital, and still got the same guy that they probably wanted at 14 all along. Uh, again, a guy who is the third best offensive lineman in this draft class. Excellent zone blocker. Um, he's going to do wonders for that offense as far as handing the ball off to Dalvin Cook and making uh, opening up holes and lanes for for that run for that uh, run offense um moves defenders really nasty he's a guy who he's again another one of those guys who he wants to block you right like he's one of those guys who he enjoys the physicality of moving people right um so i think great selection for the minnesota vikings being able to trade back from 14 to 23 and still get the guy that they were probably going to take all along. Great value. At 24, you have the Pittsburgh Steelers drafting Najee Harris, my best running back in the draft. I know some people had Travis Etienne maybe ahead of him. Najee Harris does it all. Does it all. He's a three-down running back. Um, He has the power in his legs to break through tackles. He is elusive and can get by you. Um, He has the agility uh, to make cuts and to accelerate and decelerate. Obviously, talk about agility, watching him jump over guys in college and then running for 60 yards down the field for a touchdown. Uh, like I said, really good balance, Sh- strong, has a really strong stiff arm. He's going to make guys miss. Even has really good ability as a route runner out of the backfield. He can catch the ball. 
And he's also a really solid pass blocker. He is a do-it-all running back. He's exactly what Pittsburgh needed. I know some people don't like the idea of drafting running backs in the first round. I don't care. I think it's a great pick for the Steelers. And who knows? Is, is he going to be Le'Veon Bell? We don't know, but he has a really damn good shot of becoming the next Le'Veon Bell for Pittsburgh. Um, let's just hope that we can actually keep Najee Harris around this time. Um, or let's see if we can keep him around. Uh, unlike how we, you know, weren't able to with uh, Le'Veon Bell there, but great pick for the Steelers. It's a position of need. And I think it is also, it's, it's one of those rare situations where your position of need also kind of aligns with the philosophy of best player available. Um, Getting him at 24, I think, is is a pretty good spot for him to go. So, good sh- shout-out to the Steelers for this. One of the surprising picks, actually, was the Jacksonville Jaguars, who, obviously, they were using their second uh, first-round pick this year at 25. Really surprising. A lot of people were assuming that Jacksonville would go defense here. Um, they didn't. And then not only did they not go defense, you know, if it was like, okay, if they're not going to go defense, if they're going to go offense, maybe they'll try and get, um, you know, help out the offensive line. They actually went with a running back and they drafted Travis Etienne and reunited him again. Talked about how there were a whole bunch of, you know, teams reuniting uh, former players. Uh, They draft Trevor Lawrence and they bring Travis Etienne right behind him. Uh, to keep those two together, it was just very interesting that that's happened because you have James Robinson on this team who was an undrafted free agent last year who came out and rushed for over a thousand yards. Drafting drafting Travis Etienne just seemed kind of surprising and seemed, again, like a move that you didn't necessarily have to make. Um, again, it's not a bad pick. I, I think I think they're getting pretty good value for him here. Um, at 25, but it was just a little head scratching because it was like, I mean, granted, if you want to have two really great running backs, you can do that now. And I understand why you would want to keep Etienne with Lawrence because, you know, they have the familiarity and stuff like that. But it was very interesting that the Jaguars took him there. And again, I love Travis Etienne. You want to talk about someone who has a second gear? Oh my goodness. He has a second gear um decisive makes really good decisions again really good balance after the contact so he's going to be able to got he's going to be a guy who can bounce off players who can keep his feet uh going through uh in in short space areas um and he's a guy who showed he can get better you know like every year that he was in, in in college he got better at catching the ball out of the backfield and being a playmaker after the catch um so I like I do like the pick. I like the idea of him in Jacksonville. It was just surprising to see him go there, um, especially when we thought there was so much that the Jaguars had to address on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, next up, you had the Cleveland Browns, and I was convinced that the Cleveland Browns were going to take Christian Barrymore because I thought you get Barrymore on the interior, you have Jadevian Clowney on one side, you have Miles Garrett on the other. That defensive line immediately becomes one of the best in football. They didn't. What they did was draft Greg Newsom the second cornerback out of Northwestern. And now the Cleveland Browns very quickly turned what was a weakness last year into a strength. And I think as far as just young talent, I don't think there is a single cornerback or secondary, a cornerback room or secondary that has more 
young talent than the Cleveland Browns. You have Greedy Williams. You have um, Grant Delpit, both of whom, by the way, did not play last year due to injury. Both of them missed their rookie year. Greedy Williams and Grant Delpit missed their rookie years last year because they were injured. Um, You still have the corner that they drafted and Denzel Ward a couple years ago. Uh, that was the same year that they drafted Baker Mayfield, number one overall. They also had the fourth pick in that draft, and they drafted Denzel Ward, who he's been a very good young corner. Um, now you add Greg Newsom to this to this group. This secondary is young. This secondary is talented. Greg Newsom is a guy uh, versatile, can fit in any scheme really because of his size, his instincts, has really good speed to match up in press coverage. Um, he's going to be able to compete in uh, man coverage. Uh, and because he has really good, because he has really good burst, he'll be able to make plays in zone coverage. He's not necessarily a playmaker; like he doesn't get a he he does a pretty decent job of breaking up passes. He's probably not going to get a ton of interceptions, but he's going to be someone who sticks to guys very well. Um, and you're going to have to make contested catches against Greg Newsom. Um, getting him and adding to that secondary now, turning what was a weakness last year into a strength. Cleveland Browns are really, really, really making a push to be the best team in the AFC North uh, this upcoming year. Um, Speaking about the AFC North, at 27, you had the Baltimore Ravens selecting Rashad Bateman, the wide receiver out of Minnesota. And any player that wears the number zero immediately gets my respect. I hate that he's going to Baltimore because he is a really, really, really good wide receiver. Um, Tremendous route runner, can jump for the ball, has a very large catch radius. He's six foot, 190 pounds. A physical open field runner. He's going to make guys miss. He's going to break tackles. He's exactly what the Baltimore Ravens need. And as far as being a real true number one wide receiver, they got that in Rashad Bateman. Congrats to the Baltimore Ravens. Um, at 28, the New Orleans Saints. Then this was a team that I thought actually was going to go uh, wide receiver in the first round. Um. I thought, you know, there was someone maybe like a Terrace Marshall Jr. who was still on the board that they who was on the board who they could take. Um, they didn't. They actually went a little. They threw a little bit of a wrench in there and took Peyton Turner, another guy who many had a second round grade on. Um, but if you're getting him at 28, you know, okay, um, I get it. But I don't love the pick. I think Peyton Turner, who obviously defensive end out of Houston. Really good size, and for his size, he's really flexible, has really good bend to be a really disruptive edge rusher. Um, it just caught me off guard. I didn't expect Peyton Turner to go this early. Um, I thought there were some other players that the Saints could have taken, especially at more pressing uh, positions. You know, I feel like they could have, again, gotten another wide receiver. They did lose Emmanuel Sanders in the offseason this year. Really, Michael Thomas is your only only real threat at the wide receiver position right now. Um, I think that they could have went and maybe, and maybe I think they probably did have their eyes on Greg Newsom and just seeing the Browns take him uh, two or basically two spots before them, uh, maybe threw a little bit of a wrench in their plans. But again, don't hate the pick. Seems a little, just was very early for to hear Peyton Turner's name called. Um, same thing with the Green Bay Packers, who took uh, cornerback Eric Stokes uh, from Georgia. Again, obviously we saw that this secondary needed some help, so them getting a corner makes a ton of sense. 
it was just a little early to hear Eric Stokes' name called. Now, he's great as a press corner. He has good size, really good top-end speed, right? Like, he's going to keep up with guys. You're not going to be able to run past him. Uh, he did pick off four interceptions, um, two of which he took two took for pick sixes. So he obviously has playmaking ability. And be, like I said, you see that speed translate when he gets the ball in his hands. He's trying to take it to the house, and he has a really good uh, chance of doing it. Um, and he did all of those in just nine games, right? Like he had four interceptions in nine games, two pick sixes. So he's a playmaker. Again, a little early to hear his name called, but I do think it, it is a good selection for the Green Bay Packers who needed some help in the secondary, as we saw uh, really all season. That secondary was not that great. Um, and then we saw how Tom Brady kind of really torched them in the first round uh, last year. So getting Eric Stokes should help out there. Um, the Buffalo Bills, I'm sure the Buffalo Bills are hurting by the fact that Travis Etienne was no longer on the board. I don't think that they were expecting that. I thought they might, the the Bills probably thought they would get a little lucky and be able to have uh, Etienne fall to them at 30. He does not. So instead, they go edge rusher and get Gregory Rousseau, Jalen Phillips' teammate uh, who went earlier. Gregory Rousseau, six foot seven, 266 pounds of just straight jacked human steel he is phenomenal um again extremely strong he's a matchup for interior offensive linemen because he can kick inside and still uh rush the passer and he's someone especially with a team that can really just coach him up he he has some things to learn and he needs to develop to be to be a real truly productive edge rusher um but goodness gracious he is scary and like I said, because of because of his strength, because of his speed, he's going to be someone who can set the edge as well. Like he's not just he's not just a pass rusher. He's going to be someone who can make plays in the, in the run game as well. Um, Gregory Rousseau to Buffalo makes that defense a little bit nastier, and I like that pick a lot actually, especially for Buffalo. Um, at thirty one, you had the Baltimore Ravens who. Obviously had another selection because they traded away Orlando Brown to the Kansas City Chiefs and got their first round pick for it. Uh, they take, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Jason Owe or Odafe Owe, depending on how you want to call his name. Um, but Owe, the edge rusher or outside linebacker from Penn State, has a really high ceiling. Um, like I said, he he's he's a project. He's a guy who has a ton of potential. Um, he's explosive, really good initial quickness, really good length, scary speed for uh, someone his size. And like I said, he can he can translate and become a really dangerous edge rusher. Um, he's strong for his size, closes well when chasing from the backside as a run defender. Um, the Ravens, man... That, the Ravens and the Browns are really setting themselves up as the class of the AFC North right now, as much as it pains me to say that, because me obviously being a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, I hate to really give any of our division rivals credit, but both of them had really good, really good drafts, especially in the first round. Um, Owe is going to be someone who's going to be disruptive, especially you give him some years and you and Baltimore, obviously we know that they can develop talent there. So He's gonna be he he's gonna reach as much of his potential as he possibly can under that um, organization and with that training staff. So great pick for the Baltimore Ravens there, getting Jason Oway. And then of course the Super Bowl champs at 32, selecting Joe Tryon out of Washington. 
outside linebacker. And this is just kind of really a situation where the rich get richer. Um, They didn't really have a bunch of needs, right? Like they are returning all 22 of their starters from the Super Bowl last year. So it was just like, hey, what do we do here? I guess we can go and get some good value. You know, Joe Tryon is a six foot five, two hundred fifty nine pounds out of Washington. Really good, quick first step. Has long arms, um, and like I said, it goes back to what we said earlier. You can never have too many players who can rush the passer. He also gives them a viable option um, to be a starter later on because Jason Pierre-Paul is obviously thirty two, so he's someone who they might end up moving on from in a year or two from now. And then Joe Tryon will be there to take over his position. So great value for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They were kind of in a spot where they couldn't really mess it up because they didn't really have a bunch of holes to fill. Um, But yeah, the first round of the draft was incredible. You had some other picks, obviously. Uh, Like I said, you had, excuse me. Um, You had guys like Sean Wade who went in the fourth round to the Baltimore Ravens. I thought that was a great pick. The, The Pittsburgh Steelers getting Quincy Roche in the sixth round was phenomenal uh one of the big moments was kyle trask going in the second round to the tampa bay buccaneers the buccaneers look like they're looking towards the future which i thought was a really smart move to do uh you also had the minnesota vikings drafting kellen mond in the beginning of the third round um there were a ton of really big moments in this draft um one of the surprising moments was jeremiah wusa koromoa who ended up falling in the draft um, and there was some, that was one of the things that I was actually kind of, I would say surprised by because he was someone who I thought was definitely going to go in the first round. Right. And Cleveland ends up drafting him another great pick, but it came out actually that one of the reasons why he fell was because they're during the uh, draft process some doctors found that he did have a heart condition. Um, So that kind of scared some teams away. He ends up going to Cleveland Browns. There were some really good picks, really good picks. All in all, the the, the draft was a huge success. Um, And I cannot wait to see these guys play next year. Super excited, man. Like I said, the draft is always great. It's the best reality television there is. Um, But I've had you all here for about an hour and 20 minutes, which means I am just absolutely rambling at this point you all (laughs) i'm pretty sure you all like hearing me but i don't know if you like hearing me talk for an hour and 20 minutes straight so i think this is a pretty good spot for us to go ahead and wrap it up we will have an episode this friday but thank you all so much this has been an episode of the instant replay podcast as always i'm your host dominic shirosky thank you so much for listening if you like today's episode tell a friend to tell a friend like it share it all that good stuff and if you didn't like today's episode just act like it didn't happen And as always, I leave you all with a quote. Kobe Bryant once said, no one hates the good ones. They only hate the great ones. So go out there and make some new haters. I'll see you all Friday.